Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. If you ever want to know how wealthy you are, mm-hmm. go in somewhere where you're not even allowed to open up a door. And then come out, the air is cleaner, the sky is bluer, the grass is greener. You learn that you are incredibly wealthy. It's your parameters. It's the chains you put around yourself that holds you back to focus on the money. I know people that have been very, very, very depressed because they haven't been able to be the first person to get that new Ferrari or that new jet or that new plane because there's a lineup. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazny. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine is about two things. Number one, People are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world. Doing both of these despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews of world-class speakers and business leaders showcasing their origin story. What made them tick? What got them to where they are now? So it can help you step into your greatness within your own life, business, and career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years in entrepreneurship as a CEO to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation and messages, and I'm stoked to have you guys here. Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Day, and we got, dude, we got the man, the, the, the Wizard of Oz, Steve Sims <laughs> on the show. Welcome, my friend. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really stoked to have you. So. Without further ado, though, I, I, I got to admit, we, we interacted. I, I got an email or something from, from, from your network, and so I replied back. And then a friend of a friend, Isaac Stegman's like, you know Steve Sims? And I said, no. I, I, I said, I think I do. You know, we've interacted. But I said, man, I would love to get him on my show. So then I just hit you up. I'm like, hey, Isaac told me, and I dropped Isaac's name fast and hard because I knew that would at least, you know, you'd be like, oh, this guy's halfway credible. But I, if you don't mind, Steve, can I give your amazing bio, because it's kind of, I just want to say this there. I actually have experienced one piece of your bio and I'm going to tell, tell you a quick story about it. Uh, So Steve Sims is the real life wizard of Oz. By the way, guys, I always write my own bios. I didn't have to, because his was so freaking badass. (laughs) Do you know anyone that's worked with Sir Elton John or Elon Musk sent people down to see the wreck of the Titanic? on the seabed or closed museums in Florence for a private dinner party and then had Bocelli serenade, serenade them while they ate their pasta? You do now. Steve Sims is the best-selling author of Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, and is basically an all-around badass. I, I added that last part, just, to, just in case you're wondering. Um, dude, welcome to the show, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So I have a question for you. And, and I, I don't know if you've been asked this question before in your entire career, I'll be surprised. But I'm going to ask this question, and I, and I want your honest answer. Are you, are you ready? That would mean that I'm going to lie to all your other answers. 
So you'll get an honest answer to all of mine. Don't insult me again like that. Carry yes. on. Yes. Okay. Well, you don't know my question yet. So, um, all right. So you worked with Elon Musk. That's that's what I I did. I did uh, did two events for him. Yeah. Okay. So I had this experience about two years ago at South by Southwest, where where a good friend of mine, one of my closest friends, is this big time agent in Hollywood, and he comes to South by Southwest here in Austin, and he says, "Hey, do you want to go see Elon Musk speak?" Now, what was happening was the showrunners for the TV show Westworld were his clients, and they were they and and the main guy. Jonah Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother, was mm-hmm. interviewing Elon Musk. And his brother, uh, shoot, starts with an M, and I'm blanking on it right now. But anyway, he's interviewing Elon Musk for two hours at the Moody Theater here in Austin. So wow. goes, yeah, and dude, we just had breakfast, and, and, and I'm building a house here in Austin, and I'm showing him the house, and he keeps looking at his phone. And I, and I, and I don't like when people look at their phones when I'm talking to him. It feels like, you know, a little bit like, hey, man, like, we're hanging out, and you're totally ignoring me. Yeah. And, and so finally, I'm like, do you need something up to you? He's like, hey, I'm so sorry, bro, but do you want to go see Elon Musk? You want to meet Elon Musk? And I was like, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, right? I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm like, uh, fuck yes. So, so we get in backstage. We get up. We go in the VIP area. There's all these other people who are like known people. And we watch him do this incredible talk about going to Mars and all the stuff he's doing. So the place clears out, like 3,000 people there. And he goes, hey, do you want to go backstage and meet Elon Musk? And I said, well, yeah, of course, like, of course I want. So we go there and we totally get big time by the security. They're like, oh, Mr. M- Elon Musk, uh, Mr. Musk just left the building. And so he's like, yeah. And he being me being calls his assistant. He's like, yeah, you guys still there? Okay. Yeah. We're backstage. So she walks up, grabs us, pulls us backstage. It's Elon Musk, his brother, Kimball. That was his name. Excuse me. Not with mm-hmm. him. Kimball Musk, Elon Musk, Jonah Nolan, and his, and his wife, who are the two people who created Westworld my buddy Tom, and me. There's six of us, and we're in a little circle. And, and, and it's backstage of the Moody Theater. Have you been to the Moody Theater at Austin? So it's, it's, a, you know, it's a famous place where they do Austin City Limits, where they have the, the performance. Empty, and it's just them. And, and I don't know, man. Like Maybe I don't ever get intimidated, but I got intimidated for a hot minute. And I'm standing right next to Elon Musk, and I'm in a circle, and I never have... And like Obviously, I'm not a, I don't have a shortage of words. I've been talking for three minutes straight right now. I don't say a word and they're all having this like casual conversation talking about the song, him and Kimball and Jonah sang on stage, which was from the movie, the three amigos. My buddy, Tom is like Hollywood guy. He's like just yucking it up with these guys. I haven't said a word. I look, I'm standing right next to Elon. I look up at him. He's tall. Dude. First of all, he's yeah, really tall. He is like, tall. super tall. I didn't realize the guy's like six, five or something. Right. His brother's tall too. And I look up at him and I noticed something. And I don't know if you noticed this when you met him, but dude, the guy had like no like soul in his eyes, like, at least when I was with him. Like, I, I, I swear to God, I was like, it was weird. It was like, I, I, it's going to be risque what I'm about to say. I felt like I was looking at the eyes of like a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I swear, I was like, I was like, this is weird. I was like, he, now he had just been on stage for three hours talking, two hours talking. So the excuse I give myself is like, man, he was just really tired probably. But I don't know. I, I have had nobody else who's met him where I can confirm this if they have that experience. So I'm asking you, since you met him, did he have a soul in his eyes when you saw him? Or was this just a one-off? So Elon is a very challenging individual. I, I'm going to go out there and say, I don't know if there's 
a bit of autism there. I don't know if there's a bit of um, something, but he's he's not the same as the rest of us mortals. And um, the conversations, the idea that he was stood there, was he involved in the conversation? Was he actually chatting in the conversation? A little bit. Like, he had just been on stage chatting. Now, my buddy... That's an excuse. The the two hours on stage and he was tired. No, he he's an introvert. And he also, he saves himself to conversation. He's not the guy that's going to chit-chat about what you watched on TV last night because that's irrelevant to growth. So he only wants to get into any kind of conversation that's going to impact something, someone, some cause, some product or project that he's involved in. So he will step up and be the showman. It's like a lot of introverts. And I know a lot of people out there that would surprise you that are phenomenal on stage, far better than Elon. Yeah, you get them off stage and my God, they will sit in the corner and just kind of like, you know, just write on a piece of paper or something like that, that, that they don't want to get into a conversation. So Elon is a very uh, challenging gentleman. The two times I've been with him, I think maybe there's been 30 words conveyed between both conversations. It's very short. It's like, thank you for coming. Yes, we yeah. will do this. Let's, so I don't want to say he's actually been replaced by artificial intelligence, but uh, <laughs> uh, it, if it came back that he was actually one of the characters off of Westworld, you could kind of go, I knew it. I knew there was something. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. So, All yeah. Right. So he's a, he's a strange cat. All right. I feel, Steve, you just answered a two-year-old long question I've had. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it's hard to sell that to somebody, right? Hey, do you mean, you mean Elon Musk? Yeah. He had the eyes of a serial killer. What yeah. the, what the, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what else to tell you. I said, I, I mean, there's, there was no soul there. So maybe you're right. Then you know what? He maybe said five, 10 words in this 15 minute interaction. Yeah. Just you're broke. blaming on the fact that he was on stage. You could have woke him up at seven o'clock in the morning. You'll probably have just got five words out of him. So he's not a, uh, he's not a conversationalist. Yeah, no, it's funny because he's around a lot of people that are like Adeo Rezzi was his roommate in college. I know Adeo. Adeo's like super outgoing. His brother's pretty outgoing. Jonah's outgoing. And I'm outgoing. And my buddy Tom, and this guy's just like not saying a word. Well, anyhow. That's not unusual. You know, you get a lot of introverts that hang out with extroverts. So, because it, it, it's a compliment. So, there's uh, totally. that's not surprising. Yeah, no, no, I, I I totally agree with that. And some of my closest friends are the biggest introverts. So yeah. let me ask you a question because, dude, man, the Wizard of Oz, like, where did that come from? I think it was because I resemble a pervert that hides behind a curtain. Um, <laughs> I think that must have been it. But uh, I was actually, it was Entrepreneur Magazine that, that first called me the real-life Wizard of Oz. And I thought to myself, I don't think I liked that because he was a fraud. He was a fake. And then uh, I kind of like went, okay, well, at least it was a good, it was a good logo and, you know, it made for good capture. And then Forbes did an article on me and they were like, oh, entrepreneur called you the real life. We're going to do the same. And I'm like, Jesus. But then someone pointed out that in the end, the wizard did give the people everything they wanted. You know, they just couldn't see it. But um, it literally was a case of, I've been called two things, the real, well, few things. And some probably nasty. I've been called the real life Wizard of Oz. I've been called the Make a Make a Wish Foundation for people with the uh, with big checkbooks, and I've been called the um, the nice version of Ray Donovan. So uh, you know, it's I get all three of those. So 
I don't care. I'm just a guy that if you can afford me, I'll make it happen. Yeah, man, that's cool. So, so let's back up for a second. Like, I, you know, I was doing a little bit of research and, and like I said, I, you came and spoke somewhere where I was at on your book. And I just want to know, like, can you give some background to the audience? Because obviously you're an interesting guy. You've met some amazing people. You've done some amazing things in your life, coaching. It's all around this influence and really bringing big things to the world. Like how did, like, where, like, where did that all start for you? It started because I was broke and I was poor. I'm a very, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. I often say that, you know, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but the hammer is just as impactful. I will go and do something if there's a benefit to it. Uh, I work on liability. I work on reaction. I work on cause and effect. And the bottom, bottom line of it was that I was raised up as the son of a bricklayer. And so I had no money. And I thought I was broke. I used the word their thought. It wasn't until I got in my 20s that I realized that while I was financially challenged, I was never unloved, I was never uncared for, and I was being taught all of the morals and the standards that I needed. Like, I always kept my word. If you were in a pub in East London and you didn't keep your word, you knew that the person didn't like you, not because they wrote you a, a bad review on Twitter, it's because they punched you in the nose and you fell down. <laughs> so I, I grew up in that kind of uh, environment well, you did what you say you were going to do. Right. But I also noticed one of the early, and this was in the 80s and 90s, where we didn't have all the fake Insta gurus leaning up against cars they don't own. I recall one of my earliest kind of uh, cliche things was, you are the combination of the five people you hang around with. Right. And I remember being in a pub and looking around at my buddies and going, that will broke bikers. So I'm a broke biker. So I wanted to change my five. So um, I got a job as a doorman, and then I started flirting with people that were very wealthy because I thought to myself, if I want to be rich, why hang around with poor people? You know, where's the intelligence in that? And I realized that for me to be able to hang around with rich people, I had to give rich people a reason to talk to me. Now, as a doorman, I knew where all the best nightclubs were. I knew who the celebrities were coming in that night, just like your buddy with Elon. I knew all of that. So by seducing these people and going, hey, there's a, a party going on on Saturday. Are you going? No, I'm not. Well, would you like me to see if I can get you in? Yeah, I would. Let me make a phone call. Then I'd literally go out and just stand on the door for like 20 minutes because I didn't have a phone. And I'd walk back in there and I'd go, I got you in. It's 500 bucks each and you'll be golden. And they would pay. And I noticed very early on, rich people buy things. You know, poor people don't. So that was the first I um demographic that I that I needed to focus on. The second thing was I needed to solve a problem. And most rich people, and here's the thing, the more powerful you become, the less you ask for things for fear of A, owing the other person a favor, mm -hmm. or B, getting turned down. You know, because you imagine if Elon Musk wanted to go to a restaurant and it's a top restaurant in, in LA and he turned up and he got turned away. Yeah. You imagine how much media would go, we are so good, we even turned Elon Musk away. You know, so they can't afford those risks. So they pay me because I have no risk. I, I go to things, I go, hey, I need my client to play piano with uh, Elton John. I need this museum in Florence closed down because I want to have a dinner party for six at midnight. I need uh, a couple that I have in Poland that want to get married by the Pope in the Vatican. I have two clients. Want to go down with James Cameron to see the Titanic? 
you know, I'm the one that come along and don't give away who the clients are until the checkbook needs to come out. Interesting. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. So that's, uh, so, so when you, you, this all started and it's funny. So we, we, we share some, some other, I, I was a doorman at, at nightclubs in my in my 20s and so and i was very involved in the nightclub industry so i had some not to the extent that you're talking about but i definitely started to understand because and there's a guy who a friend of mine actually he's a, a ted fellow and he did an entire ted talk at ted about essentially like how the nightclub industry is the analogy for uh, you know social like social life and the standings and like how people basically put their best foot forward and and how you can define status through the clubs. And there's this amazing hierarchy that's built through the nightclub scene, right? And what you're talking about is essentially 
you were able to build value there because you saw an opportunity to help people who wanted to spend money get into places they probably couldn't have got in. Right. Yeah. And you're totally right. You know, when I was, when I was on the door, I thought I was at my lowest ebb. I'd actually got a job in Hong Kong. I was working in London. I talked my way into getting a job in Hong Kong. I lasted one day and I was fired. And so I had nowhere to go. So when I'm working on the door, I just thought God put me on this earth to just go and split up fights. You know, that's it. But from the door, I was able to see humanity. It was like taking the blue pill and suddenly seeing the matrix. I don't know if it was the blue or the red, you know, moaning me later. But I couldn't remember what color pill it was. But all of a sudden, I could see things. And here was something I noticed very early on. When you're still on the door, you're never the one that's to be flirted with. They always flirt with the coat check. They always flirt with the barmaids and the bartenders. No one ever flirts with the doorman. Because the doorman's there. If you see the doorman during your night, that means because your night's coming to an end. But no one, no one ever wants to see the doorman inside the nightclub. But here's something that always happened. People would pull up and they would walk towards the door. They would look at two meatheads on the door and they would self-select. Yeah. Am I the kind of person that walks to the door and says, evening, gentlemen, I need a booth for my four friends? Or... Do you go and stand in line with all the others? You would self-select, and it made me giggle how people would do it. Yeah. And then the other thing that I would do, in my head, I love psychology. You know, I absolutely adore it. Yeah. Um, and I would play the game, you know, who are they? You know, or what's the celebration? So I'd see a group of girls coming up, and I'd be like, okay, is it a celebration of a contract? Celebration of a new job? They haven't seen each other since high school. They're getting married. You know, it's a girl's night out and they're on the lash. It's a group of singles and they're looking for rich guys. I would come up with, and by the way they are, I would try to see if I could understand who they were and what they were in for for that night. So once they got to me, I'd be like, hello, ladies, what are we celebrating tonight? And they'd be like, oh, Julie's got a new job. And so I would try to see if I could get it right. And I got really good at picking up the cause of going in from the social body language that I could read. And it was fascinating. The daft thing is, your your Ted fellas completely correct. From that door, I still say today, and I've worked with Elton John, the Grammys, Kentucky Derby, New York Fashion Week, Formula One, Monaco. I've worked in some of the richest places in the world for literally the richest people in the planet that own things like countries. And I still say that most of my psychology PhD, if you want to call it that, came from working on the door of nightclubs. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's it was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had, and for a lot of the reasons you're saying, because you see, and and and, and, and at least where I worked, we were sober the night, so I was sober. You're dealing with a bunch of people, and you're yeah. doing this analysis because what a lot of people don't know, and it sounds like you figured this out, is you can make a. I mean, I was 22. I was making. I don't know couple thousand bucks a week working at these doors, right? Yeah, never on the door. You know, you made a little bit of money from the club, but the rest of it came from the tips. Oh, um, yeah. All tips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. I was, because I was pretty, I was pretty good at not fighting. <laughs> the daft thing is I would walk up to someone and I know if I push a five foot fella that is a hundred pound when wet, if I push him into a corner, He's only got one way to come out, and he's going to come out swinging. You push someone into a corner, 
right. are eventually going to come back out. But if you can give people a way to walk away from that situation without losing face, right? Like if you walk up to someone and go, "Right, you bastard, I'm going to beat you up," then there's there's a combat going on. Okay, right. they can't back down because they look stupid in front of their mates. So if you walk up to someone and go, "Look, we can dance," but I really would rather not because you know, like you're going to throw a few, I'm going to throw a few. We're all going to get scared up. It's going to raise up our blood pressure. Ain't going to go well. Is there any way that I could ask you politely to just call it a night? See you here tomorrow. Yeah. And if you just spoke to someone like that, they would look at you and pretend as though they're doing you a favor. Although everybody knew that, you know, so it was a difference between being, you know, wanting to fight and being prepared to fight. I was always prepared. Right. But I didn't want to. And that's what actually got me working in some of the bigger clubs because I was the guy that could walk up to an event. Two guys would be uh, just start a face up. And I'd be like, look, boys, you're both wearing some real nice gear that's just about to get torn up. Now, I, I, I don't want to play, but if I have to, I've got some friends with me. We're sober. So the odds are in our favor. Please be smarter than us and walk away. And just if you could give them a, a way of just kind of going, all right, I'm walking away. And they'll talk to you like they're doing your fight. But everyone else around there would know that they were just about to get creamed because you've also got five meters behind you. And they're talking to you like they're doing you a favor. It was hysterical. But, hey, what works, works. Are you guys enjoying the show so far? Darius here. And by now you might know that I'm passionate about a few things. Pizza. Pink Unicorns, Core Values, and Down Dirty Interesting Conversation with some amazing people. However, the biggest one that I've spent most of my career on is entrepreneurship and scale. You see, look, my first few years in business, I spent like probably a good five years of my life getting my freaking teeth kicked. I mean, really getting crushed. And I learned a lot during that time period. So I spent the greater part of the last couple of years helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses in a meaningful way without going through the same growing pains that I did. And what I realized is that CEOs and business leaders don't know if they can scale, and thus they do the right thing at the wrong times. This causes them to lose clarity, lose momentum, alignment, and the bottom line is you lose money. And look, you don't have to do that. It's why I created what I call the scalability assessment, and you can access it 100% for free. That's right, guys. There are perks to listening to The Greatness Machine. All you have to do is go to DariusScale.com, that's D-A-R-I-U-S, scale, S-C-A-L-E.com, and there you can check to see if your business is set up to scale properly. It's going to give you a scalability score at the end, and it's also going to give you some clarity on what you can do next. Once again, guys, that's www.itsdariusscale.com. Once again, guys, it's DariusScale.com. And now back to the show. Man, dude, I will tell you, the muscle between your ears, brother, is strong. Like, 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 <laughs> you got, you got, you're jacked, you, and more than one way. But I, you know, it's, I swear, to you, dude, we just met, and I, I approach life the same way, which is, where's the most frictionless way to create value, right? And when I was a head of security at a nice club, I did the exact same thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not trying to, I'm like, what am I trying to prove? I just, I'm trying to get paid and make sure everyone has a safe night, and I do the same thing, but. But you're hitting on some big things there. And, and, and I think that this is a lot of what's happening in the world today. Everyone's puffing out. And you said it earlier. You said these fake internet gurus sitting on their fake Lambos. And 
I feel like the internet has, has made the barrier to entry to pretend like you are somebody has gotten very low, right? Oh, and God, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's almost hysterical, right? Like, everyone's a coach. I was, do you know Cameron Harold? You know him? Yeah, I know Cameron. Yeah, 1-800-GOD-JUNK, me and Cameron. Yeah, me and Cameron went to uh, prison together. But I'll no, tell you about that in a second. Oh, okay. Okay, so, Cam- so Cameron was on the show yesterday, and I, I've known okay. him for 13 years. And he, I don't know where it was. Either he and I were talking or I saw him post something online a few months ago where he said, I can't wait till the economy fails so we can get rid of all these fake coaches. Yes. Right? And so, you know, I know that you coach and obviously there's a lot to co- for you to coach on. But, you know, I think that this is a representation of people not being real, not being authentic, not really being who they are. And, and we've built this world where people can do that. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on you know what, and I do want to hear the jail story, definitely. But like, what, like when you approach this, or when you're coaching people around how to excel in their life and how to really, you know, step up their game and get what they want, because you've obviously got really good at either a getting what you want or b helping others get what they want. How do you coach to that? Um, the first time, the first thing is you've got to recognize your superpower. My superpower is um, ignorance and stupidity. Okay. My wife has often joked that that is my superpower and I should get a cape with an eye on it standing for, you know, ignorant man. The bottom line of it is I'm not frightened, okay? The whole point is in life we grow from failure because you say about the Insta gurus, you're correct. They're out there, but people are really scared of trying things. People are scared of being original. People are scared of creating and disrupting things in case they fail and everyone's going to see them and laugh at them. But look at who we revered right at the beginning of the show. You know, we're talking about an awkward, creative disruptor. We're talking about a guy that had absolutely no knowledge or credibility or skill set in banking, and he killed it, in solar panels, killing it, reusable energy, killing it. And then what does he do just to piss everyone off? He goes after the largest uh, government uh, um, space organization and beats them in their own game. Okay, so the bottom line of it is, he is a creative disruptor who we revere. Right. But how many times does he fail? Oh. And the answer countless. is countless. But how many times does he care what you think about his failing? Okay. I remember him actually saying that and I won't go into the long story, but he actually said when I was at an event to one of my clients, he said, they'll always laugh at you before they applaud. And he's aware, and I'm aware, the stupidity exists one second before it's genius. So when I go and meet a client, the first thing I do is I go, okay, what's a stupid goal? What's a ridiculous goal? Now, we all turn around and we go, oh, I want, you know, I want a million dollars in my bank account. Well, why? What's that going to do to your life? What's that going to impact? I've run companies that have been netting 12, 15 uh, million a year. I think 15 or 18 million was, that, was my biggest year. Okay. And then I get my tax returns and my tax bill and I go, I've got no fucking money in my account. Yet my company made 18 mil. Okay. It was almost like I was paying to be in business because my right. staff, my, my outgoings, I was making this. Everyone else was happy, right? and I wasn't. So you've got to understand the cause and effect. And we've got to go for stupid goals. Don't let anyone hold you back. And I'll give you a prime example. 
I had a client of mine ask me, he wanted to have the most amazing dining experience in Florence. Now, I could have done the simple thing. I could have sent him to Florence. I could have gone on the Italian version of Open Table, and I could have got him a great restaurant, called up the restaurant, wired him a couple of hundred bucks to make sure the chef comes out and goes, good afternoon, Darius. How are you doing? Are you having a great meal? And to get a couple of selfies would have been fine. Okay? But I went stupid first, and I always go stupid first. What is the most stupid idea concept for an Italian meal in Florence? The most stupid. I actually went to the Accademia de Galleria, the museum that houses Michelangelo's David, and I confronted them and I said, hey, I would like to have a table for six set up at the feet of Michelangelo's David at nine o'clock at night for a dinner party of six people. The most amazing iconic statue in the most amazing location. If you're going to have an Italian meal, where better, because it had to be in Florence, right? where better than at the feet of the most iconic statue in the planet? Now, I used a bit of credibility. I used a few people that I know that can like whisper in certain people's ears, and I pulled it off. But halfway through the clients eating their meatballs, I had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade them during their dinner. I went stupid. And every time I did everything, I was expecting a no because I was going for stupid. But if I hadn't have got Michelangelo's David, I'd have maybe have got a rooftop overlooking the square. Or I'd have maybe got into the palace. Or I'd have maybe got into the gardens. Or maybe got into the Afusi. There were other levels that I would have achieved which would have been far superior to what the client had asked for, but I went for stupid first. And the daft thing is, the amount of times I've gone for stupid, and I've got it. So whenever I coach a client, first of all, I ask, are they working to their limitation? Are they working to their preconceived perceptions and parameters of where they need to be? When was the last time they did something stupid? When was the last time they took their marketplace and chose to disrupt it by doing something that everybody else wasn't. If everyone turns right, go left. Okay? So that's what I do. When I first coach, coach people, how stupid are you being in your marketing, in your dream, in your concept? Because the best people that we revere are stupid on a daily basis. Yeah, man. You got me so motivated right now. I love it. That's that like. Like from your, your mouth to God's ears. And, and, and I think I always tell people, and I think like whatever cape you have, I must have one tucked in my house somewhere because I've always approached life. And this is just, I don't know, man, maybe we got hit on the head when we were young or something, but I always approached life where if one man can do it, why can't I do it? Right. And, oh, it, yeah. and it's not, it's not because I think I'm better. I'm like, well, they're human and I'm a human. So I'm just like, why not? You know? Oh, I've got a better, I'm not better, but I've got a better mentality. I remember going into the pub in London. Actually, it was just outside of London. And I was with two of my friends. And we played the, we played the pocket change game. This was a, a point where I could stick my hand in my pocket and I could feel the notes and feel the coins and know how much money I've got in my pocket. So knowing how many pints of beer I can have before I get to the bar. Okay? <laughs> I was that broke. And like sometimes... You know, we'd have to have two and a half pints and the last half pint would be split between three of us because we didn't have a lot of money. 
we walked into this pub one day and I'm I'm playing I'm playing the pocket game and two of my buddies, because there, there was only us three, they pointed at this guy in the bar. Now, this guy in the bar, he owned, true story, he owned a gas station and he owned the local supermarket. Okay. And in this area, he was like Richard Branson. He was like the epitome because he owned a supermarket and a gas station. That was like a billionaire. As far as we were concerned, you know, this was like what you prayed to get to. And as we walked in, I had never met him. I knew who this guy was, but I'd never met him. One of my boys went, oh, that's so-and-so. You know, he owns whatever the supermarket and gas station was. That's the guy. And I thought to myself, well, I've got to talk to him. So I straight away walked over and I went, hey, how you doing, Sims? You don't know me. How did you do this? Bang, straight in and started chatting. He started chatting with me, okay? And I remember as he's conversing with me, I turned around, and you know my two friends had not left the spot they were. Right. In fact, they're back closer up to the wall. Given the chance and the opportunity of speaking to someone who was richer than me, they chose not to do it. I chose to do it. They were looking at me like the idiot. And when I joined them for a beer, they started giving me ribbons. And it was that night that I realized how different I was to them. They were like, oh, what were you doing? What did you expect? He was just going to give you a thousand bucks? And I went, hang on a minute. That guy's rich. Now, as it was, he bought me a couple of beers. Yeah. So I got a couple of beers out of that conversation. You, your muttons, were sitting over here with your pack of crisps and, and beer, knowing that you could afford another. I got two free beers. I'm two beer ahead of you. But you thought you would be smarter by sitting here and ridiculing me. Sadly, that was the last time I ever hung out with those two guys because I realized that you either run to something or you run away from it. And I didn't want to waste my time. And it's like, what do you say about the coaching? How many people do you meet that have got a great product, a great service, but in all of that copy that they write for it, in all of that text, in all of that brochures, in all of that Facebook ads, they're talking to poor people. Now, you can hate me if you like, but the bottom line of it is we all know what it's like to be poor. We all know what it's like to get a red letter. We all know what it's like to be panicking on a Wednesday night because we can't afford the bill on a Friday. We all know that experience. Guess what? Rich people know that experience as well. But instead of you focusing your marketing on to people that can afford you, you know how to communicate in a world of people that can't, and you market to them. Right. For some reason, you think, hopefully, a rich person's going to stumble on this. No. If you've got a rich thing to sell, solve a rich person's problem. Yeah. Don't sell it to poor people. Sell it to rich people. Because guess what? A 10-minute conversation with a poor person opposed to a 10-minute conversation with a rich person, one pays dividends, the other one pays excuses. Let, let me ask you a question because I think it's, the, the word rich and poor is interesting, right? There's obviously the people that can spend money. But there's a lot, and I just want to get your perception on this, because obviously you've figured out how to get in front of some really magnificent people and to get their attention and to create value in their life. And I've, you know, I've been an entrepreneur and, I, and you know, in this conversation, we've just dropped a few names of people that we know. And when you, I think when you run in the circles where you're talking and working with some really great people, then to your point earlier, Jim Rohn, the Jim Rohn statement that you are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with, as you start to spend more time with other people, 
some people, what I found, and these are some of the people that I know that are the wealthiest people. I think most people I know that are really wealthy, they really, really care about making money, right? I mean, obviously, like, like Captain Obvious here might be stating. But what, what I found, though, is once they get to a certain point, it's not about making the next dollar. It's a game about being successful, right? And what I've also found is there's this idea around there's different ways of having wealth. Some of it can be wealth in the form of capital. Some of it can be wealth in the form of social connection. Some of it can be wealth in the form of, of fulfillment, right? And, and so in your experience, and, and what's funny is the people that tend to have it in all those areas don't just have it in one, right? It, usually if they're just wealthy, they may not be fulfilled, right? Or they may not have a lot of friends because they spend all their time making money. And so what, what is your approach when you say the, because I think some people might take what you're saying and saying, well, I only want to go around rich people because they make money. and I want to make money. And I think that there's total truth to that. But I think at some point people make enough money and then they're like, okay, well, what's next? So how do you approach that? Because clearly the things you're doing are hard to do. <laughs> and, and you have a talent, my friend, which is an incredible talent, but I can't believe that you're just doing it for a check. You got There's got to be a lot of other reasons why you're doing these things, especially as you're spending time with guys like Branson and Musk. These guys, they've made enough money where like they're rich thousand times over. Why do it once you've hit that point? What what, what motivates you, or how do you coach around that? So you're correct, um, but again, you know you're smarter than me, so I keep things less complicated. Um, <laughs> I believe there are two kinds of people when you start getting up into that stratosphere. There are rich people and there are wealthy people. And um, I started this game of doing these experiences for rich people because I wanted to become rich. Okay. I dealt with rich people because I wanted money. Rich people have money. Poor people don't have money. Very, very simple. Okay. So I went out to work with rich people because I wanted to be paid. I launched the world's leading experiential concierge firm, not because that was my passion, but it got me a reason to associate with rich, rich, rich people. During it, I realized that my skill set was communication, negotiation, psychology, event planning, marketing, branding. I realized that my skill set was actually this, I was just using it in the concierge world to trap the clientele I wanted. And you're correct. It came to a level when I went, I'm dealing with rich people. I've got money now. So I'm rich. But am I wealthy? And then I started noticing that wealthy people have love, give love, create impact, uh, reward people about. I found that wealthy people actually smiled more. And so then I started trying to focus on how to be wealthy. We brought up earlier about going to prison with um, Kim and Harold. I go to prison about a year. And I actually, and if any of you want to come, uh, an entrepreneur's advantage is my Facebook page, Shallow Plug. Go on there or register at stevedsims.com. I take people to prison three to four times a year. And I charge you $500 to come. And guess what? I take you to a level four maximum security prison just outside of Kern. And I went with Cameron. We train what we call EITs. These are multi-lifers that are coming out and using all of that hustle 
to build a productive career. Okay. Now, if you ever want to know how wealthy you are, Mm -hmm. Go in somewhere where you're not even allowed to open up a door and then come out. The air is cleaner. The sky is bluer. The grass is greener. You learn that you are incredibly wealthy. It's your parameters. It's the chains you put around yourself that hold you back to focus on the money. I know people that have been very, very, very depressed because they haven't been able to be the first person to get that new Ferrari or that new jet, or that new plane, because there's a lineup. I used to work in the most obnoxious place on the planet, Palm Beach. I worked for Donald Trump for like three years at Mar-a-Lago. I know exactly that world. And I met a lot of people in Mar-a-Lago that were wealthy, that looked after charities, looked after their staff, looked after their family. And I met a ton of people that that were just trying to find out where they get the next dollar because they felt got x that they were actually very wealthy at the time and they should be able to focus on it for the game so i learned the difference between the two very early on of richness uh, of rich and wealthy and i will openly tell you that i am the wealthiest person you'll ever meet because you will get to a point and we all have to have it once you've got six months of all of your bills in your bank account Okay, you're wealthy, you know, start taking time for the family, start taking courses. Like when I started going to the prisoners and working with them to become, you know, productive people, my wife was like, well, you're out. I want to go do something. I'm going to go and look after um, a homeless shelter. She started. We're now happier because we do these things now. We're not trying to get any accolades. Screw the accolades. We're doing it for us. It's very, very selfish. We're doing it for the smile it puts on our faces that we know we can come home and enjoy our meal because we try to help others enjoy theirs. Do you do that through... Uh, so I'm going to grab a book. Do you know this girl? You're doing it with her? Kat Hoke. So Kat was the girl that uh, um, invented Defy. Yeah, uh, Defy, right. Yeah, and Defy Ventures is the group that I actually promote on a constant basis. So when we charge you $500, we make sure I I actually have a special link within Defy um, that actually is where you actually have to do your donations. So yeah, that's what I do. That's cool. So I was supposed to go to jail with her last a year ago and my flight got canceled in New York because of storms and I didn't go to jail. Was it Kern? It was, it, it was, uh, no, no, because she, she left Defy, right? And she now left she's Defy, starting, yeah. Now she's starting Hustle 2.0. Yep. So got a group of us, like 40 of us. And it was in, I want to say it was outside of, um, it wasn't at Kern County. It was outside of um, Reno. Some, yeah. Oh, the Reno one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Damn, that gets hot. But yeah, no, it's, um, no, that's, that's right. It's, it, they do both. Uh, if you want to go with Kat, that's fine. If you want to come with me, that's fine. The bottom line of it is, that's still benefiting the inmates. And while you think your entrepreneurial journey is helping the inmates, you'll be surprised at how many of those inmates are helping you. Yeah, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna come to jail with you. Like, like we're gonna do this. So like you got come with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, we we have a damn good group and it'll shake you up. Um and it'll and it'll make you uncomfortable. And your greatest growth comes from being uncomfortable. Yeah, I love it. Uh, man, dude, I'm loving where this conversation is going. We got one question, and dude, like time flew. Oh, it's like 30, 45 minutes. We're 48 minutes in. Dude, my main man, Steve, like 
where did you, where have you been my whole life? Like we should have been friends <laughs> a long time ago. Um, so we got a question. What is the best way to break those chains you put around yourself? Do something stupid. And, and this, the, you, the dumb thing is you can, as long as your mind, your mind is a muscle. If you can start training it to do things that it hadn't done before, it actually starts searching for other things to do that you haven't done before. I challenge myself every week to do something different, okay? A couple of days ago, I did yoga. This is not built for yoga, but I did yoga because it was different. I, when I'm working, I play music, okay? I have a radio app that gives me all the radio stations all over the world. Nine times out of 10, I'm listening to British radio. Every now and then, I will go and listen to music from a weird station from across the planet. The other, the other month, I was listening to a Norwegian EDM. Now, I was listening to this at about 11 o'clock in the day. So I think that must have been like 2 o'clock in the morning in Norway. And it was e I didn't even know what EDM stood for. And I listened to that radio station for about two hours, okay? And now, because I listened to that music, I can very, very much with full education tell you I fucking hate EDM from Norway. But had I not done that, had I not experienced it, I wouldn't be qualified enough to be able to say that. I will go into, um, and this is a great one for sushi. Try this in a sushi restaurant. When you go into a sushi restaurant, you nine times out of 10 have the usual appetizers that you know and like, okay? Pick the one that's the weirdest sounding thing that you've ever seen and try it. Your liability is $8 because it's the appetizer. Right. But you'll be surprised if you constantly try to do things. If you're driving home and you've got to take the next left, take the next right and just come in a different way. Just get your brain to try doing things differently. And all of a sudden, your mind starts looking how to do things differently. And you start seeing more opportunity. So I constantly try to do something stupid and challenging and disruptive to teach my mind to get rid of those shackles. Oh, man. Don't go left. Go right, baby. Just go right. Fuck yes, dude. Like, the, the, these conversations, like, most people don't, don't know this, and we just met. I selfishly do this show because I get to have badass conversations like this with badasses like you, my friend. Dude, yeah. we, dude you, you are a beautiful person. I love, I love this conversation. Steve, I was going to, like, normally I end the show and I ask questions. I'm like, hey, you know, like, what's one piece of advice you have something? I'm like, dude, you just unloaded so much advice. I feel stupid asking that question. So I'm going to ask you my other question I ask people. I ask people, what would be your last meal on earth? And I got to imagine you're going to pick a fucking awesome one. My last meal. Yeah, what's your last meal on earth? I love asking that question to people. I'm going to ignore the question and tell you what I want my last experience to be. Yes, okay, even better. All right. So people, people wait until they get to their 40s or their 50s to do something crazy on their birthday, okay? I have never been like that. Every day I've wanted to do something that's a bit more challenging, a bit more fun, that's going to make me smile. Having 40 minutes with you has just made me smile. We hit it off before we even click record. So this is what I want my last memory to be. I want to die, and I want to end up at the pearly gates. 
And I want St. Peter to walk out to me with an old-fashioned, hand it to me, and say, well, you had some fun, didn't you? <laughs> and that's it. Oh, mic drop. Dude, what a, what a show. Where can people find you at, man? Like, like just all the, all the plugging. Everyone needs to know where to find you. Well, you can head over to an Entrepreneur's Advantage, which is my private Facebook page. I'm on there a lot. I was on there doing a live AMA this morning. Sims Distillery is my inner circle. That's where I do a lot more one-on-one and do a lot more one. I do expert AMAs. I've had Cameron Harold in there, Joe Polish, Jim Quick, a whole bunch of people there. Or if you want to look up my Instagram status, I'm at Steve D. Sims or I'm at stevedsims.com. So I'm basically like COVID. You can find me everywhere. Oh, man. I, I, but I want to get co- I want to get you, not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there, there's a vaccine for COVID coming. There ain't one for me. <laughs> You're viral, man. Oh, man. Steve, what a treat, man. Thank you. So, I'm so grateful to have gotten to meet you and spend some time with you, bro. It's been fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really good. Guys, uh, we got more shows coming up. Follow us at The Real Darius M on Facebook or on uh, com. Go to all the social and subscribe to our YouTube show. Dude, I have nothing else to say, man. I'm going to have an old-fashioned with you before you get there with St. Peter. That's happening. Good. We're going to jail, my, my friend. But guys, what a treat. Thank you so much, Steve. Really, my heart's filled with gratitude to have you. <laughs> you are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Guys, The Greatness Machine is all about two things. People who are living their passions and those who are creating greatness in the world. And we feature these messages and speakers so it can help you step into your greatness within your own life and your own business. If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're tuning in from and leave us a review. We love getting reviews for the show. If the episode made you think of someone who is leveling up in their business and life, print screen it, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to learn from one another. You can also go to our website, www.thegreatnessmachine.com. That's www.thegreatnessmachine.com. And on there, you'll see special tools to help you scale your business faster, show notes for the episode to help you integrate the lessons, and you will also get links that came out during the show. So on there, look, you can also grab a copy of my book, The Core Value Equation, which is a resource for helping CEOs and business leaders establish core values from their teams that don't suck. And mind you, a lot of them suck. Get access to this and more at www.thegreatnessmachine.com. With that said, you guys, look, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We out of here. See you guys next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. 
I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.